Hello, welcome along to a brand new episode of Baffled It's Your Fact Show, where we try and distinguish which facts are amazing and worth telling people and what is worth putting in in the bin of knowledge that no one needs to ever discover again. My name's Dan, thank you for being there. Three facts for you this week from me. I've got stuff about superhero Scrooges, also about gums getting around, uh, and the king's favourite sandwich. That's on me. What Connor, what have you got? I've got facts about the Beatles, which we love. This one's a good one. I've also got something about a baboon that worked on the trains, <laughs> and being tall can cause you some difficulties. Well, I mean, you're speaking to two notably untall people in Mark and me, so I'm excited with that. Mark, what have you got? Right, this week, why the French are to blame. Uh, also, marketing gone wrong. And finally, how someone got his very famous name. It's all on the way. Famous names and dirty pigs. It's a brand new battle. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So listen, I thought we'd start this week. Uh, I mean, it's been a while. Corner has IBS. Corner has IBS. Bloody well works when it comes out the other end. <laughs> for no real reason, it's just I, I thought you know what, it's been too long. It's been a while. It's been a while since it's been in. I'm not even going to reference it's... what that's about. I think if you don't know, um, if you don't know, go, go and listen back. Also, and... oh, I would love you to go back and listen back. What for stats and listening numbers? But also, you don't need to know anything. It says it in the song. That's the beauty of the song. Connor, how's it going down there? Yeah, yeah. Is that? Do you know what? The Joe is really, really funny. I've probably had the worst month of it that I've ever had in my whole entire life and I'm like in and out of the doctors at the minute and I've got tests going on. So it's like, it's actually very current in my life right now. Um, But yeah, not fun. Not fun at all. I'll be honest with you. Listen, when you're at the doctors and they say, Mr. Knight into the the studio, please. Mr. Knight to see Dr. McBurney. They sit there and they say, okay, Connor, what's wrong today? Connor has IBS. Connor has IBS. Bloody well works when it comes out the other end. I think we need to stop um, having Dan in control of studio buttons, Mark. Uh, This this scenario is quite quite frustrating, isn't it? Because he has access to that button literally within seconds right now. And it's it's just just going to keep happening every every time. No, uh, we we know we've been doing this. I've been in the studio for the last like five recordings, and it's the first time I've done it. So. Yeah, it popped in your head, didn't it, on the train on the way in? You were like, yeah, I'm going to use it today. So there you go. That's what you need to say to the doctors, Con. Um, there we go. You know what? Give me your first fact of the show. Okay, did you know that um, the Beatles, the band, not one single member of them could read or write music? Ah, I'm very into my Beatles at the moment, so that had crept into my head. 
I'm all over them. I've been watching, been reading, been listening to a whole load of Beatles chat recently, so it's very prominent in my mind. Yeah, so Be- Beatles are like one of my favourite bands as well, and obviously, like, y- y- you know, I think I think people have different opinions on music and stuff, but I think for me personally, about the Beatles, their mu- music just wouldn't be where it is today. They're probably the most iconic of, of all. I personally feel more so than MJ, more so than Elvis. They are the top of the top. And the fact that they uh, couldn't read or write music and you think about the tunes they made is pretty incredible, isn't it? Like, literally couldn't even read or write a single bit of music and I assume with the tunes they made. We're, we're, we're obviously talking sheet music here, aren't we? Where, you know, they write it down with, their, yeah. with, with the double clefs and the notes on the lines. And you I might know, call no it more sheet music, terms. You might call it sheet music, but everyone else around the world thinks it's some of the best songs ever. So I don't know oh, what you're talking about. There we go. That's, that's a Mark joke for you there. There you go. Bit of influence. I'm influencing you, Big Simo. So they can write, they can write a, uh, a bloody good song, obviously, um, with all the tunes they've got. But yeah, they, so I'm imagining that like when they were making tracks or whatever, they were just playing things, you know? They were just sort of, you know, not like, oh, play a C or play this or play that. They were just sort of like making these things happen which shows their talent even more because, you know, that's all basically on ear, isn't it, really? It's on what sounds right, what doesn't sound right. Does that work with that? Does this work with that? As opposed to, like, the mechanics of notes and, and music and how it should all match and work, and which is, which is phenomenal. Now, I don't find it that surprising. I think, it, like, a huge majority of bands, especially guitarists, probably can't read sheet music at all. They just pick it up, they just start playing, they figure out what works, they teach themselves, they use tabs. I think what makes it, for me, an incredible fact <clears throat> is because it's the Beatles. You know, if this was like just a, a little band who were, you know, a bit small, like, you know, you'd be like, all oh, right. But when you think about how iconic the Beatles are and what they've achieved and, you know, how, how big of a band they are, the fact that that band, having produced what the sound and the music they've made, couldn't, is, is, is phenomenal. I mean, if you listen to the Beatles as well, it's not like they're just playing guitar. Like they've got all sorts of instruments in there. They've got all sorts of sounds and music and futuristic sounds and all things like that. It's not, you know, it's not standard music. Can, can, can you imagine where they, where, where they got in, like, the session musicians, you know, because they wanted an oboe and they couldn't get a, you know, anyone play oboe? Nope, it's fine. Just get one in. The oboist walks in and goes, have you got the music for me to follow? Nah, nah, don't, don't do sheet music around here, mate. Don't do that. Yeah. It's all in here. It's all in here. It's all up all here. here. Just play an E and then do other things. It'll be fine. <laughs> Without getting too logical about it, like at the start, they were just a few lads with guitars and a drum, so they they didn't need to read music. And then as they got bigger, and as as they start having much grander orchestras on things uh, throughout Sergeant Pepper's and stuff, then that's when they probably do learn how to read sheet music. At and that then point, they you're rich enough to just pay a bloke to things. come and do it for you. And also, mm. you've got to realize Nigel it's not in the pro- corner, right away. <laughs> oh, big. It's probably not that surprising because if you think that's the reason that they are who they are, because they came around at a time where everything was done a certain way through people reading sheet music, through this like very traditional, like standard way of doing things. And then these lads come along who are just kind of different. So like I I enjoy the fact and it is a bit, oh, when you think about it, oh, that's interesting. But I I think that's why they were so unique. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I think, I think, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I definitely agree. I just think, I like when, when you're listening to like their, their, their music and their albums, and, and you're a big Beatles fan like myself, and you listen to the, you know, the, the, the kind of diversity of their music and and how and how progressed it was. Like you think when they were making tracks, it should never have really sounded 
like the music they was making. It was it was so ahead of its time. And the fact they were doing things like that, like without having really any music knowledge, was pretty phenomenal. Just just messing around really, weren't they? I, I would assume. And then these sounds were created. And yeah, they shaped it all, didn't they, really? But yeah, great fact. I really enjoyed it. If you are listening to this show and you know stuff about the Beatles, I would say I'm probably Paul McCartney. Connor is probably probably John Lennon. And Mark is, is, is Ringo Starr, I would say. Oh, absolutely all day. Peace and love. Peace and love. No more fun mail. Peace and love. Isn't he the Peace one that love. narrated Thomas the Tank Engine, though? So yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. take that. Absolute classic. Okay. Yeah, that's him. That's him. Mark, what's your first fact of the show? Okay, have you ever wondered why uh, we, we eat chicken and it's called chicken, right? It comes from a chicken, it's called chicken. But we eat... <laughs> Beef. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Started this one. Hey guys, have you ever have you ever thought about the fact that we call chicken chicken? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, here's some relatable here's some relatable content for you kids out there in the world listening into your favorite podcast, Baffled. Have you ever thought about the fact that we call chicken chicken? Give us a call. Yeah, it's oh eight hundred nine three double one two. Right, right. A readjustment. Chicken's called chicken. What else? Chicken's called chicken. But cow isn't called cow. Cow is called beef. Have you ever wondered why? Don't worry. I've got the answer for you. Blame the French. So all of this goes back to... Uh, we had a fact before where French was, at one point, after the Norman invasion, the official language of England. And it was at this point that we started using phrases such as beef and pork and mutton for sheep. And that is because it all comes from the French language. So you had the lower class Anglo-Saxons, the Brits, the English who were still there, and they would eat the cheap meat like chicken, so it would stay being called chicken. But you had the upper-class French who would eat the butchered meat, such as bouff, which is French for cow, and that became beef. You then also had uh, sheep, which is called mutton, which was mouton, and that's how that, and then pig, which is pork, with a C, and we just anglicised it to with a K. So that is why you eat beef, mutton, and pork rather than cow. <laughs> So, so, and so, pig. so th- I mean, on, on, the, on the surface, that is quite an interesting fact. Thank you very I much. I thought, look, and this is a show where we're trying to discover what facts are great together. You know, it's communal team spirit here at the moment. I thought it was a, it was a long walk for a short swim on that fact. I, I thought the reason it's called these things is because that's what the French say. Great. Okay. Fantastic. Connor, what's your immediate takeaways from that from that fact? Did you know that we call mutton um, mutton because the French call it mouton? I just, I just, I like, I just, I, I, I'm a bit little bit. Haven't really got much to say. Like, I just, it's, it's, it, there's words that come from these words. It's like, wow, like, oh, shit, like, really, like, oh, that it come from the French word and a boof, and then we call it beef. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's just, it's over the head, but it come. People may enjoy it. You you take that with you. But for me, it's probably going away. But thank you, Mark. It, you it, I love. I think next I think time what, you eat beef, you'll be like, got an interesting fact for you. I think guys. what we I think what we take from this, Dan, and I think that we've probably come to conclude this with Mark. You know, we're deep into this now. You know, yeah. But Mark likes to make the facts a, a real thing. You know, like yeah. that there. You know, Some the of us have to bring the was, show to this show. I mean, others just turn up and just rock up with their twenty minutes of the, research. Some of us need to bring a bit of showmanship to this. 
Yeah. Yeah, booth beef. But with Mark, we have the bit and then we have the so. And then you put in, your, you strap yourself in and we had the so. And then you know that there's going to be more. And he bought more and he delivered the more. But yeah, I mean, if, if Mark wrote the position. If, yeah. Yeah. If Mark wrote the very hungry cat a bit, uh, it would be more like, you know, War and Peace. It would be Lord of the Rings, wouldn't it? If he if he wrote the very hungry caterpillar. I do feel like there is mm. a lot more the hungry caterpillar didn't say that we should be looking <laughs> at as a society. But you know, that's that's a debate for another day. Dan, please, please deliver something here which is going to just, you know, be my Red Bull right now. I don't think I don't know. Do, you mean your red buff? Right. Uh, it's time for my first fact of the show, your rouge buff. Uh, did you know, you know, Marvel, Marvel of Marvel Comics, they used to issue paychecks to their creatives way back, right? People who were drawing and writing stuff. On the back, they would have to sign away all the rights to anything they'd ever done to actually get paid. So this is just like one of those drop in the ocean things. It's just, oh, like they, were, they were quite slimy bastards back in the day, I think, Marvel. So when you say sign away everything they've ever done, what is in... Well, everything they're creating the for they're Marvel. Being... So they can't... Uh, there was a big thing with the guy who didn't made the Human Torch. Uh, the guy who designed and drew that, that you then can't, he can't go and draw any of that. He can't get any of the rights in the future to get paid for that work. You have to completely sign away your rights towards it. Um, right. So what you're saying is in like, if you created the Iron Man figure, you don't get royalties from future films that are made. If all of a sudden Iron Man got another eight part film, he wouldn't get money from it. He just got paid that initial fee for the drawing of Iron Man way back when he done it. Yeah. So back in the fifties, they would wow. do this. So for you, oh, to, that is a sharp deal. For you to <laughs> su- a sharp deal, isn't it? For you to, su- you, for you to sign oh. the paycheck on the back, or they would have a voucher um, saying whoever signed it would renounce all uh, rights See, the thing, to whatever they created. The thing is here, is like, for example, you look at Iron Man, Spider-Man, probably the two biggest names within Marvel Avengers, I would say. Huge franchise, obviously. Um, and Spider-Man, iconic figure, isn't he, Spider-Man? You've got toys, games, bed sheets, curtains, wallpapers. Every, Spider-Man's everywhere, isn't it? Like, the actual creation of the drawing of Iron Man is incredible like uh, sorry not Iron Man Spider-Man is incredible it's like a really cool looking figure I would love to know how much the initial payment was on that creation of Spider-Man as opposed to like you know maybe what could have been earned of 5% of all royalties I don't know like do you reckon it's big money do you reckon, or but, do you reckon it's I, the I guess, salary I guess it's also it's the debate that comes in of why is Spider-Man so big is it because of the drawing or is it because of the initial idea like could you have drawn him differently and he'd still have been as big just because this kid mm-hmm. who shoots webs is so amazing it's the concept, isn't it? I mean, the big, the big, the biggest thing behind Spider-Man, really, and what what drives Spider-Man is the concept of this dude who's a young Peter Park, like young guy, got bit by a spider and then's firing and flying through New York City. It's like when I mean, you know, when you're six, seven years old, you probably dream of doing that more so than being like Hulk or something, don't you? Well, do you, you know why? Relatable. Well, you know why Hulk's so big, don't you? Because he's the Hulk. Radiation. Yeah, cause, yeah, yeah. Because he had a laboratory accident and, and makes him big, obviously. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Well, that because we needed that input, didn't we? That's yeah. why the Hulk. Hulk Spider Man. That's why the Hulk's so big. Um, I don't, I don't know I, if we've spoken we... about this before, but Iron Man was never one of the big Marvel ones. Basically, he was the leftovers after Marvel had sold everyone else off. So that's why it was. The was first he? Marvel that's film. your yeah. fact. Stop telling me where bloody beef comes from and tell me that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I can remember. I feel like what? we've spoken about this before. Obviously not. Um, so you... yeah. So so basically, Marvel was going broke. So it sold off Spider-Man, it sold off the X-Men, it sold off all the stuff that was making it money to all these, you know, to Sony, to uh, Universal, to, to all of these places to get money in. Then it went, oh, we have nothing left. 
looked at what it had left, decided what was the most marketable toy, decided it was Iron Man. That is why Iron Man is the first movie. Mark, if you could have any superpower, any superpower for a ginger lad that wears glasses, what would it be? Probably like just immense admin skills. (laughs) (laughs) Being able to... Just like walk into a situation and straight away, boom, organized or like I'm sitting on a train, boom, spreadsheet, like, you know, those sort of stuff. That would be pretty Being able to wander around, travel the world and instantly knowing what the food stuff Mm. is called in that language, where we get the name for it from as well. Pretty much. Yeah, Mm. that'd be great. Connor, what Um, about you? Um, I, I've a, a mute button, so to be able to just mute you, Dan, or mute Mark, I mean, just mute people. Because sometimes when people just talk, like Dan, like sometimes you say, and I'm just like mute. I should be able to go, that, no, Dan, mute. You know that we're on Zoom, so you can literally do that. Unfortunately, that superhero already exists. She's called Jackie Weaver. Oh. There you go, Connor. Give us your second fact of the show. Uh, so the tallest married couple ever recorded was Anna Hanning Swan. Uh, she was seven foot eleven, and her partner was Martin Van Buren Bates, who was seven foot nine. Um, and she, when she gave birth, her baby weighed twenty two pounds. What's that? In old it was money? a little bit like when a giraffe gives birth, and it just kind of just drops on the floor in the hope yeah, that it walks. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. What's that in in twenty kilos or so? Well, twenty-two pound. I, I I wouldn't know actually. We, our friends have just had a so friends of mine have just had a baby, and their baby was nine pound nine, and they was told that that was really really heavy. That's, that's big. So isn't it? I feel like I feel like twenty-two pound in think, stone is every baby's one one stone five, one stone five, mate, one Jesus. and a half stone. That, do you think that oh, that's a massive baby? Every baby's big. But like, it's really hard to find anyone who's oh well. When I was born, my my mum was told that I was the biggest in the ward that day. Everyone's that. Like, was every baby I think what you need fat? to do is, is... No, I think what you need to do is is imagine the size of one and a half stone in weight and imagine pushing that out of your vagina. Because that's mm. basically what's happening here. No, thank you. So it's like... The, the, uh, like, uh, the only reason I'm sort of talking about this is because literally I met my, my, my mate's baby yesterday for the first time and that was a big baby on record. It was tall, it was £9.9. And the doctors were saying to her, our friend, that like with every couple of pounds when a baby's big, that's a that's that's big thing, you know. Like you're pushing either towards cesareans or natural births because each pound is such an incredible amount of weight that you're pushing out of your body. So you need to. So twenty two pounds. That is no, thank you. I I mean, like, but then again, she's also seven foot eleven herself. So the carrying of the baby kind of probably equals out to the, like the I, normal I don't, person. I don't and, think having to push twenty two pounds out your the JJ is quite equaling out when you're seven foot something. I think that's just yeah, it's still a lot. Yeah, I think so. I think like if a a six foot person is pushing out a baby that's nine pounds, and this poor lass is having to push out one that's twenty two, I don't think that's quite. Uh, mm, How big was the? How tall was the dude? So the mum was seven foot eleven, and the dad was seven foot nine, and the baby is twenty two pounds. I I don't know. Would if you if you were seven foot nine and your wife's taller than you? I know that we've changed it's the 21st century, but would you be a bit annoyed? God. God. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, I was trying to be 7 foot 11. I'd be annoyed, I think, being her, because I'd be 7 foot 11 and I'd be like, I'd love to just be 8 foot. So I have that officially on my name. I'm like, two off, one off. I just want to be 7, I just want to be 8 foot. But, um, but yeah, at 22 pounds, I mean, 
Women out there that have given birth that are listening to this, I'm sure that you're probably going, oh my they, they God, are, there, are, there are women wincing <laughs> yeah. everywhere listening to this. Yeah, podcast. yeah, 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 yeah. And there's probably somebody listening right now that maybe had a slightly heavy baby and was like, yeah, I can kind of, 22 pounds? Oh, listen to this, husband. This, ba- this pe- pe- person had a 22 pound baby, stone and a half, pushing out of the vagina. Terrible Tuesday morning. Mark, what's your second fact of the show? Okay, when you're doing a marketing campaign... Oh, wait. <laughs> the openings! Oh, I love it. When you're doing a marketing campaign... <laughs> because I know that a lot of our listeners are in marketing. It's an interesting Mark, you've I become did. my instant favourite. You are going to be Thanks. the people's champion very soon. You're going to Thanks. steal it from me. I can feel it. Uh, so when you're doing a marketing campaign, it is important to remember that your audience are dumb. So, uh, A&W, which is an American... <laughs> So he's done the show again. So everyone, get in the fact position. Get in the fact position. Strap in. So A and W are an American fast food chain, and they try to compete with McDonald's. McDonald's had just released their quarter pounder. So in a bid to compete, A and W released their third pounder, one third pound of patty rather than one quarter. So it's bigger. They did it at the same price. It even beat McDonald's in a blind taste test but they never saw the upturn in sales. Why? Because Americans don't know fractions. Americans went, well, why would I pay more for a third pound when I could buy a quarter pounder for the same cost? Because of the way it was shown on the menus and on adverts, the Americans just saw the number three and the number four and went, well, four's bigger, decided it was better value. McDonald's won by not actually doing anything okay okay my first question for this when was this do we have like a date and like roughly when this happened this is going back about sort of 20 years right so do you know do you know what i like yeah i get it because like if you don't know fractions for example it naturally three is lower than four i kind of get that but i think there's more to this i think it's just more to the fact that you're up against mcdonald's you know like such a difficult well well, this is the thing they they did a like they, they thought that might be the reason did focus groups afterwards and well over half of the people said that it's because they thought they were getting better value at McDonald's. How much is a half? Even wow. though it tasted find... better at a and What's bigger, half or a third? Half. Oh, there you go. I, do, I, do, I, I, can't think, I think people do struggle with fractions, I think. I think a third... I think fractions are hot. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I a third is an annoying fraction. A third is an annoying fraction. It's, it's very vague in my head. It's very ambiguous in my head. Like, if they'd have gone for a half pounder, then people would have gone, yeah, of course. Of course that's heavier. Yeah, of course that's bigger. It. But a third, mm-hmm. it is. It's that weird one that you're just kind of like, just people like is it I do. It's because people like evens. People love even stuff. People like nicely fitting even things. And three ain't, ain't one of those. I do find, I do find as well that like, with these sort of fast food chains, and like so, when when I went to Austin, there we go, dropped it in. But when I went there, there's we so need a many for that like need a jingle for that. But like in the UK, you have you have your standards, don't you? Really, like we don't have loads of drive-through joints. When you think about it, in hindsight, to America, like we have the McDonald's and the Burger Kings and the KFCs, but we're not inundated with different brands. Like Popeyes is coming over to the UK, which is going to be a massive hit. But with America, especially in, like in Austin, there's like so many different types of drive-throughs that sell burgers, like loads, and there's different states that have different ones and, and all of this. And realistically, McDonald's is the biggest brand, isn't it? Like you would struggle, I, I think, in any way to compete with McDonald's, really, no matter what you do. Even if the burgers are shit at McDonald's, people just go there. 
McDonald's. Do you, do you remember when yeah. McDonald's also, tried to bring up, was started to do, do hot dogs? So this was in the early noughties. Yeah. Remember the theme tune? Yeah, I remember this. Remember the... Remember I the, don't. The, the, uh, the catchy ident, it went, <clears throat> hot diggity, dog diggity, what you do to me, it's so new to me, what you do to me. Oh, I still love it. I still want a hot dog now. I don't, How do you remember I don't know, it just stuck in my... Yeah, what were you, like 10? Yeah, probably about 10. Uh, it just stuck into my... <laughs> all these, these idiot 10-year-olds, How dare, and these people can't remember anything when they're 10 years old. I just love it. I love the tune, want a hot dog, don't even eat the bloody things. Also, the irony of this is you asked how long ago it was. I did the maths wrong. It was the 1980s and I immediately went, 1980s, that's 20 years ago. It's actually 40 years ago. 40 years ago, sorry, hon. I got a food fact for you. Elvis, the king, once flew from Denver to Graceland and back to get a sandwich. Denver, Colorado, north of Austin. Graceland, his home place. Uh, He flew there to get his almightily favourite sandwich, which was peanut butter and jam... And bacon. I've seen a picture of it, and it looks like, honestly, the most tasty thing in the world. Uh, so he's got this big old... I mean, look, the fact is actually this ridiculous round trip that he did at the height of his power, and probably, you know, there's a lot going on. That's the fact. But the picture of this sandwich is nuts. Picture, like, imagine, like, a huge cob of bread, like a big old fat loaf, scooped out the entire middle, very thin wedge of uh, bread still left round, white bread, thick. Uh, then he's got like a big chunk of jam, a big chunk of peanut butter below it, and then just loads and loads and loads of salty bacon. The king flew a, a round trip that would have taken him hours and hours and hours across many states in one night just to get that sandwich. Is it not yeah, easier I'm... and cheaper for him just to pay someone right. from that restaurant no. to come and work for him? And it cost make it him $50. It was, it was 8,000 calories of a sandwich, this thing. Yeah, plus I'm happy, the plane. Yeah, no, but yeah, I'm happy you said this, Mark, because this leads on to my view on this. When I'm rich, and if I get famous, say that happened, I'll do whatever I want, whenever I want. I won't be a dick. He's not being a dick doing this. He's not doing any... But when you have excessive amounts of money to just do ridiculous things at no real thought, I would bloody well do it, and I'd love every single minute of it. If I can jump on a plane, go get my favourite sandwich, and I have the money to do it, why the bloody hell not? Just do it. Because you can. You can. You can do these things. You know, if I want to employ a chef just to make me a sausage sandwich every day because they make it really, really well and I can afford it, then I'll do it. Like, why not? Why not? Well, because the, That's because how the I money can it. go towards much better things. But they're so wealthy that it well, doesn't no, matter. Like, why don't they, give their, well, they doesn't, do, other, do other more oh, beneficial it, stuff with that money? What, like give it all to charity? Yeah, it all. But if you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to spend all this money flying halfway across the world for a sandwich, think, oh, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I don't need the sandwich. I will quell my, my cravings and I'll do something else with the cash. Nah, th- th- nah. Th- this bugs me. This bugs me, this thing. I see it on Twitter all the time where people are like, oh, you know, like these rich people, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, do your bit. 100% do your bit. You know, like Bill Gates, do your bit. 100%. But then enjoy it like do nonsense ridiculous I think, stuff I think there's oh, a way you can in, I think 100%. there's a way you can enjoy it without and you know I'm not judging him because I do something very similar it's just you know is 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 that necessary is is this is this I would excessively necessary? spend Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Vernon Kay. And I'm Holly Mackay. And we're here to tell you about our brand new podcast, Parenting Past the Pandemic, brought to you by Aviva. Yes, we're going to be delving into a whole heap of parenting topics from the generational gap to online safety. And some of the big topics which have come up through the pandemic, such as helping to manage our kids' anxieties and how we can affect the world they'll grow into. Parenting Past the Pandemic. Find it wherever you found this podcast. Right, very quickly before we crack on with our last fact, something very exciting has happened if you live in the grand old city of London town, UK Shire. Uh, we, we, you might see our mugs uh, around when you're waiting for the bus or something, because we've got billboards. So we don't really know where they are. We just have been told these things are happening. By the way, lads, you might see your faces plastered across billboards across London. Uh, if you see one, I know we've asked you to do random things in the past. We, we, we won't forget the ins- the infamous let's take your badge to the Grand Canyon and take a photo uh, thing if you live in Nevada or whatever it was. Still waiting. Um, Still waiting. Uh, if, you, if you do live in London and you see a picture, if you see one of the baffled billboards, we would seriously love you to send a picture of it over to info at baffledpod.com because, I mean, we're going to go off on our own quest, I think, in- individually and try and find them, but that would be an absolute gas if you could do that. If you see our billboards, fire over to us. And this Friday, finally... It's the very first Baffled Awards, the inaugural Baffled Awards. Now, uh, last week on the show, <laughs> you remember uh, we, were, we were striving to try and find a nickname for these awards. You've got the Tonys, you've got the Oscars, uh, and we, we had a very nice message that have come in because we were struggling to think, well, what, what can we call the Baffled Awards? Uh, Mark, who got in touch? Uh, Chris from Maryland got in touch. He says, hi, guys, you use the name Nigel a lot. When making up characters for stories while talking about your facts. So I think Nigel is the perfect name for your award. The first annual Nigel goes to. Nice ring to it. Keep up the good work. Love the does podcast. It. Does it though? Chris, thank you. But does, do, it? does it have it, a nice yeah. ring to it? Because I, the I Tonys. Like it, the annual you know, Nigel. Tonys. Grammys. I think the Oscars, probably because they're what they are, we've kind of got used to that clunky word. But I mean, hey, you know what? I won a Nigel Award the other day. Oh, Jesus. Shoot me now, you know that's a bit bleak, isn't it? Don't you, I, don't you I, love I, the fact I, I, as well? I think, I think it's a goer. The annual we've, we've attempted this award thing. God knows how this has actually come to this point. Well, with, with everything that we've done, badges, we were like, "How has this got to this?" Billboards, how has this got to this? And now awards. But you know, you think about like the Brits, the Oscars, the awards. There's all this preparation. There's us lot pitching up for a recording. We're talking about the awards today. Yeah, lads, put it in the end. <laughs> Night. It's just going to be nonsense. You're going to want to be there on Friday. I'll tell you that now. Uh, so keep your eyes, <clears throat> keep your eyes across our Instagram page for more details on the first annual hmm, Nigel Awards. Yeah, and keep your eyes peeled as well for um, those baffled billboards across London Town Shire. And email us info at baffledpod.com. Mark, give us your final fact of the show. Robert Craig Knievel, better known as Evil Knievel. <laughs> But I bet you never knew how he got his name. 
Don't worry, Mark's here to tell you. Mark, this has got to stop. Seriously, this has got to stop. Um, I, I, Jen, Dan, I don't know if it's just hammer noticing, mate, and call it a day. Should we do like a spin-off or something just called like facts that are just because this is No, I wanna know. You just, I, I wanna I, know. How did evil you, can, you just I wanna wait. know how did evil can evil get his name? I'm waiting for Mark to be like, do you know what keeps a pen <laughs> uh, nice and moist? It's a it's a lid. Do you wanna know where a lid I, I wanna, comes I, I from? I do wanna know. Where does I'm evil like, can oh. evil get his name? Right, this is a true story. So I'd hope it was. That's the point. That's literally, oh, it's literally it. the point of the show. It's true story. So I, yeah, I but you're really not going to believe it. It sounds it, it sounds ridiculous. So you're not going to believe it. So he said uh, so. He after said after a police so. chase. Yeah, exactly. So, which of course means race the fact position. Hang on one second. One second. Uh, so one second, after a police, um, very quickly, remind us of the, the 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 fact bracing position, just so we can all assume the okay, fact bracing position. position. Uh, assuming that you are sat down right now. Just need to sit, but kind of sit as if there's, uh, you know, a potential that you're going to have to get up in a second. So you're ready. You're ready to get up and sort of go. So knees a little bit cocked, you know, imagine, and just ready. Arms on yeah. the table or the chair. Imagine you're about to squat out a 22 pound baby. Okay, here we go. We are ready to go. Legs akimbo. Strap yourself. Here in. we are. So. Oh. After a police chase in 1956, where he stole a motorcycle, crashed it and was taken to jail. The night jailer loved to give inmates nicknames. He was next to a guy called William Canawful, and no, the jailer no, dubbed him Awful no, Canawful. No, he was Genuinely no, true wasn't. story. Uh, so, Robert Craig Knievel decided, well, I want a nickname. The jailer bestowed him with Evil Knievel, and years later, he changed his name to Evil Knievel and just changed the spelling from E-V-I-L to E-V-C-L. And that is how Evil Knievel got his so, name all thanks to awful can awful so, 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 so. um i've never in my in the history of my life wondered how it, the dude got his name because he's a stunt rider stunt riders need kind of catchy names his last name is Knievel. i mean it doesn't it's not a big leap to call someone evil can the main reason why this fact is the most amount of nonsense ever and is not a true story is that no one in the history of the world has been called something canawful that's not a last name it's not a thing no no way as say tell that to william no Knorful. way is that happening no, no way no, is it a silent k like connor knight is it norful it, it probably is yeah but this jailer isn't the best isn't the cleverest so he's just going ahead and pronouncing it connor knight and that's what he'd get called oh <sighs> Mark, do you have like an archive of in your Mac notes of like what words were and what they mean, and then do you sort of sit there and think, well, what, what, what do I fancy this week? Is it because you, you, you bring on. a lot of these? These seem to be your thing. Hey, I'm just giving the people what they want, and that's facts about. Do they want it? Evil can evil and awful can awful. When have you heard that, that, that they want it? Has someone messaged mm. you privately? Been no, like, I, look, I just, we want I just this. know. I just I'm very tapped into our audience. That's what they want. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, Mark. Thank you very much. I mean, I don't believe a word that you've said, but I'm so on, the, so same, on but... the billboard that you'll find across London. Uh, there's one of our favourite facts on there. That's how you know it's us. I I don't think that fact is billboard worthy. Is that okay? Yeah, no, I don't think it is either. However, the billboard fact was also my fact. Yeah, you, so mate, I'm just writing. You can high take on it. You're, um, I think you might be in with the chance of winning a Nigel on Friday you. in your podcast feeds. William Wrigley, uh, who made... What did he make, Mark? What famous product did William Wrigley make? Was it the third pounder from A&W? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Wrigley's gum. He yeah. invented direct mail marketing. 
because he just he, like mailed a pack of gum to every person in the phone book in 1915. Love it. What a, what a way of doing business. That's a hustler. Imagine just, and also, you know, 1915, fair amount of people, l- lot of places, maybe they're not all in the phone book, but, you know, just sending out gum. Love it. Open for questions. I have what none. Is, what I have will none. Be, what, other than you hate on my facts and you bring that piece of to the table. He invented direct <laughs> marketing. It was, look, uh, look, it was William yeah. Wrigley. It, it's really it was going wi- downhill. No, don't, 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 don't say it again. Don't say it again. They made Wrigley's gum together uh, and they direct mailed everyone. They sent all this gum out to everyone around the world. Thank you. Everyone around the world? Uh, around, around the United States. Thank you. Another stellar fact brought to the was, table was, by <laughs> Big Simo, the fact merchant. Get your facts over here. 50 pound of fact. I'm worried that we're entering a territory on this podcast where people are listening right now and, and, and they listen to the facts and they're like, where, why, and how did they Oh, I they feel like that's ever... been in place since week one. Yeah, like, like, uh, like I, think, I think if I was a listener to this podcast, I'd be sitting there like, what websites are they using? <laughs> what, what, what search engine do they well, use? Where are they I getting that. I have a Google alert for William Wrigley facts. So, and when that came, when that pinged the other day, I thought, "Blow me!" There's a new one. There is a new one. That the, That's got to go straight in the pot. They've only just in 2021 discovered that he did this back in 1916. That is the epitome of needing to do something exciting in your life. When you've set William Rigby notifications on your laptop, book a tattoo, or I don't know, go get pissed, or shave your hair because this is bad well I was very intrigued I wanted to know who invented direct mail marketing so I, and I googled it and luckily right. William Wrigley back in 1915 mailed a pack of gum to every person in the phone directory in the United States alright Connor give us your third fact of the show the South African railway once employed a baboon uh, in his eight years of service he never made a single mistake um, and if you type in on his, Google, what, what South African Railway using a baboon, he was a, he was called the Signalman Jack. He used to he used to do a bit of signalling, lifting. It uh, helped. It it helped. It helped no, carry it, things. And no, he was a little no, little baboon. No, no, he didn't. Yeah, he, he did. did yeah. He didn't. Yeah. He, he did. didn't. He genuinely he did. didn't make a mistake. He was as real as William Canorful. Genuinely, he did. He did. Jack, 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 Mark the baboon. Jack the baboon. Yeah, I, look, here's the thing. So you're saying that South Africans left a baboon in charge of signalling to make sure that trains didn't crash into But he, did, he never made a mistake. No, no, I think he was just, I think, I think he was just part, part, part of it, you know, part I'm of it. I'm fully on board. I'm fully on cool. board with a baboon being the mascot and like, you know, being, being a happy presence around the office. Love that. Don't, don't, don't tell me that he's carrying bags and, and organising train schedules and driving them and he's yeah, not, he's he, not. He, he drove he, a train. He not, drove a train. He's not doing he drove any a train of this nonsense, in, is he? in 1870. No, he, he drove the train. No, he, did. he didn't. No, he did. He drove no, the train. Yeah, he drove the train. No, he did. No, he did. And no, then he, he was what he worked no, in the food. He worked <laughs> in the kitchen as well. No, he did work in the kitchen no, as well when he that. made food. No, he did. He once changed. He changed one of the alloys as well on the railroad once. <laughs> he cleaned out the piston. He, he used to clean out the pistons every morning. Cleaned out the piston. He serviced the trains as well. Like made sure they were all running properly. And in fairness, now. Nowadays, he's in charge of Southern Rail. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. That's the joke, Connor. <laughs> right, that is it for this week's Baffled. Not long to go until the inaugural Nigel Awards. 
uh, happening this Friday. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcasts. What have we learnt this week? Well, uh, something about beef. Something about the name of beef, something like that. Uh, also, if, if Connor had loads of money, he would fly all around the world, wasting all of it just for a bit of jam. And did you know that a baboon created and built the very first train that there now ever was? No, he didn't. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. We will see you on Friday for the inaugural Nigel Awards. Get in touch. Send your billboards if you spot them. Info at baffledpod.com. And as always, tell a mate and we'll see you then. Say goodbye, Mark. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Connor. Yeah, bye-bye. And I will say that William Wrigley, founder of Wrigley's Gum, invented direct mail marketing. In 1915, he mailed a pack of gum to every person in the phone dictionary in the United States. And I'll see you Friday. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 